Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big old Thursday. Man, oh man, I am so glad that kind of, you know, win and in, kind of one and done playoff basketball is finally starting this season. I mean, the regular season is good, don't get me wrong, but you know, you know, not having guaranteed all your all-stars every single game, the load management, lackluster, oh, we're getting blown out by 15 and you know, there's like, uh, we're in the fourth quarter, do we really need the win? Let's pull everybody, let's pack it up, let's go home, but now, I mean, now that the playoffs are starting, the playing tournaments, it's it's bingo bango. I mean, we just saw the Lakers at full strength finally. And man, oh man, was it a great game. The best game of the playing tournament so far. Easily, hands down, no competition. Will probably go down as the greatest play-in game ever in NBA history. Now, was that all set up? Because it is a little coincidental that the first year, Lakers, Warriors, LeBron, Steph Curry, 7th and 8th seed. What? What? That's never happened. So if it was set up, thank you. I mean, I appreciate it. We got what we all wanted to see. So I guess we can't knock it. So, an absolutely great game last night. We'll break it down. Um, we Also, today, we're going to be looking at the sixth man of the year. We've done the MVP. We've done the rookie of the year. And now we're looking at the sixth man of the year. We'll kind of do it like we did with the MVP, just kind of breaking down those three categories of the stats, the record, and those quality wins, uh, turning those into point totals, and then adding them up and seeing which, uh, which, uh, which player, in our opinion, deserves sixth man of the year based on this little algorithm that we're kind of uh, working with. Uh, so, we've got that today on the show. Looking at uh, weeks 11 and 12 in the NFL schedule and doing a moneymaker for tonight's lone play in tournament game Pacers Wizards ooh going to be a real good one winner gets that last playoff spot folks eighth seed win and in lose go home so it's all on the line tonight so we'll be breaking all down all that action doing the moneymaker for tonight's action uh, but let's just jump into the stories of the day and folks 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 the day of reckoning the day of judgment has finally arrived Tim Tebow has signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, folks. It is now official. Here it is, folks. Tim Tebow is officially signing with the Jags. <sighs> All righty. All righty, Urban Meyer, you did it. You got your guy. You got, you know, your your little lap dog. You got your kind of brown noser in the organization so you can appear to be more liked than you may be in the locker room. I don't know. Uh, so they signed Tim Tebow, a, a distraction, a, a circus, a uh, is he really a real deal participant here, a real chance at really getting signed to the final 53-man roster. So he's not on the official team yet, just signed now. I mean, we, you know, you can have a lot of players who just have to cut it down by 53 before the season starts. So, uh, you know, he still may not be on the team, but we'll see. Um, I can't wait to see all the videos coming out of him in camp and practice and all that. I want to see how he's catching the balls, how the, how's these routes running, because according to everybody that we've heard uh, from Urban Meyer in this kind of Jaguars, or Jaguars organization, he's at his peak. He's in his peak physical prime right now. They've never seen him better than right now. He's looking unstoppable. He's looking fast. He's catching the balls. He's looking solid. Uh, so, 
you know, these these Jags coaches, scouts, I mean, they're all in on this, man. It's not Urban Meyer. Remember, Urban Meyer said, hey, I never even saw this, man. I was not there at the practices when they were evaluating him. I had no real kind of, they were just telling me. And then I had to make the final decision, and I'm judging what my coaches are seeing out there. So we signed him. So that's uh, that's kind of the uh, the extent of Urban Meyer really kind of putting his neck out for Tim Tebow because uh, it was real interesting when we read those quotes like last week when the when this first story kind of emerged saying that uh, Urban Meyer kind of repeated it twice during that kind of interview hey I was not there so he's kind of you know backing himself away but then the but then he ends up signing him so we know Urban Meyer is the only one that really wants Tim Tebow because they have history with each other and you know this is what they're doing now so he's officially signed folks now just has to officially make the team I hope he doesn't I'm gonna be blatant honest like that I don't want to see this man in the NFL I don't think he deserves to be in the NFL anymore he's had his chance folks like we said he is like a make a wish kid folks he's a make a wish kid he's not good at anything and it's just so funny because when he went to the Patriots and he couldn't make it as the kind of their third string quarterback how laughable is that can't even make it as a third string quarterback and now he's gonna come in nine years removed and play tight end but he didn't want to play tight end in New England he was adamant he's like I'm not changing my positions I would rather not play football than change my positions and that's exactly what he did for nine years he was like all right well if I can't be the quarterback I'm gonna go and play baseball because I was kind of good at that but then he couldn't even really do that either so it's just so frustrating to see that this guy why does this guy get kind of you know a free pass above everybody else to go and, you know, go and try out for tight end nine years removed from being in the league. Folks, this has never happened before in NFL history. No player has been nine years removed and then made a sudden return to a new position. It's never happened. So why are we giving Tim Tebow this opportunity, this shot? It makes no sense. So and we see what the how kind of the league is changing as at the tight down positions. He doesn't even fit the build. He may have the size because we are going to kind of look at. We do have a little bit of our first peek, our first look at what Tim Tebow is looking like in a Jags uniform. That's coming up in a second. But um, I mean, he, he does not fit what the tight end is right now. He is six two, folks. Um, they just signed Kyle Pitts, who's six six. Dare Waller, who's six six and fast and can go up and catch the ball. Tim Tebow is. Not not that. So you're you're going you're outdating yourself at the tight end position and you're trying to move forward in the new wave of NFL football and Urban Meyer is going backwards. And folks, can we talk about Urban Meyer never being a head coach before in the NFL and this is his first major decision? Dan Campbell's first major decision as an NFL head coach was to call a uh, call around the zoos and ask if they have a lion freed up for him to kind of uh, intimidate everybody in practice. That was his first major decision as a coach. And it's kind of the same. I think Urban Meyer and uh, Dan Campbell are kind of doing the same things, getting kind of circus acts to kind of draw attention. And this is negative attention, folks. This is not the good in, uh, attention that you want. This is bad publicity. I don't think anybody in the locker room is going to respect Urban Meyer for kind of, all right, we're not going to pick you. We're not going to pick you. We're not going to pick you. We're not going to ask you to try out. We're going to skip over you, even though you play tight end. You're an undrafted uh, you know, free agent out here in this year's draft class for tight end. But, yeah. I mean, we're going to go with this man that's nine years removed and really never proven anything in this league. So I still hate the news, but let's see what we get here. We get the official article. 
about him officially signing. And I think there are some quotes by Tim Tebow in here. So let's see what we get in this article. I'm still not liking it, folks. I've slept on it for a week. We did our 47-minute breakdown on why this man should not even step foot in the league again. And uh, we are still holding those same beliefs after sleeping on it for a week, hearing what everybody else says, hearing the counter-arguments, all that. I'm still not buying it, folks. I'm not buying it zero. I'm buying it negative percent, folks. I didn't even know you could do that. But I will pay. I will pay people. That's how much I did like this kind of a pick. I'm going negative here, folks. All right, so the QB turned tight end. Isn't that just that? Just that alone, QB turned tight end, man. Jeez, jeez, jeez. You better be good as Taysom Hill, folks. He better be as good as Taysom Hill, man. Uh, the QB turned tight end inked his contract Thursday morning, the team announced, and will join his teammates for offseason workouts. Quote, I want to thank the Jaguars for this opportunity to compete and earn the chance to be a part of this team. I know it will be a challenge, but it's a challenge I embrace. I am dedicated to taking the direction of our coaching staff and learning from my teammates. I appreciate everyone's support. As I embark on this new journey. Classic Tim Tebow fashion. Kissing up to everybody. Oh, thanks so much, Jaguars. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to take this challenge. I'm going to embark. And I'm going to learn from my coaches. I'm going to do whatever they say. And I'm going to learn from my teammates. And I'm just going to be good out here. Because I'm lovable old Tim Tebow. No, I'm over the act. I'm over the act, Tim Tebow. I, I, I'm I, not buying it anymore. The good guy. The Jesus guy. The the, the Tebowing, folks. He, he was a verb at one point. We we did the Tebow. Um, I don't know. Did I ever Tebow? I don't think I did. I don't think I was ever about that. But, you know, he was a verb in this world, folks. So I'm not buying it. I absolutely hate it. This all hunky-dory, go hung, uh, hung I don't know. <laughs> all this kind of hunky-dory, excited talk. It's just kind of like... It's, it's kind of disgusting. Honestly, I'm super over this man already. And, folks, I'm telling you, th this man literally spoke against college players getting paid because this man had a silver spoon in his mouth. I cannot respect anything else that this man says. And uh, I'm not buying the act here. I absolutely hate it. Everybody. And then, you know, he, he, he acts this way. Um, I don't know if he, he may truly believe in all this. And, you know, that's fine if he does. I'm not going to knock his, you know, but... Um, you know, this, you know, this is just frustrating because you can never kind of attack Tim Tebow. You can never attack Tim Tebow because everybody else is going to be like, he's just a good guy. He's just trying to, you know, get back in the league. You know, why, why, get, why not give him a chance? What's the big deal of not giving him or what's the big deal of giving him a chance? He seems like a good guy. He wants, he's eager to learn. He's, you know, he's saying all the right things. He's a, you know, he, he's a religious man. How can you, how can you hate the man? How can you hate on the man? So you can't even really express hate for Tim Tebow because you're going to get backlash and all that stuff. But, uh, oh, man, uh, well, he's on the team, so I'm not going to wish him good luck. But I, I, I truly think this is a circus act. And uh, if it is, then, you know, we've truly lost all respect for, um, for uh, Urban Meyer. There's, way to, there's ways to kind of get energized your fan base, your team for the upcoming season. Bringing in a nine-year-removed ex-quarterback that wasn't even a good quarterback. Uh, this is not the good attention that you want this is not the good publicity that you want um there's other ways to do it but uh get a line i'd rather have the line i'd rather have dan campbell bring in the lion than uh, urban meyer bring in tim tebow to kind of energize and get publicity on the team so absolutely hate it and we get this tim tebow's career reception stats folks are y'all ready for this 16 routes run 
two targets, zero catches, zero yards, zero receiving touchdowns. But that's supposed to change, right? Because he's had nine years to learn the position. Uh, so we better hope he used all nine of those years to get right, get ready, learning from what Travis Kelsey has done. And folks, he's even older than Travis Kelsey. So he's an old, undersized tight end. I'm not buying it. Ugh, I'm not buying it. And now we have to talk about him. We have to talk about him. That's the worst thing. We have to talk about him now because he's going to be making every single news story, all the headlines. We're going to see tape on this man, and they're only going to release the good parts of the tape. I doubt we see any bad plays by this man, and I'm sure there's going to be bad plays, but those won't get released because it doesn't fit the narrative that Tim Tebow's this great guy out here and everybody loves him. So expect to see a lot of kind of a propaganda on Tim Tebow, and we're not buying it, folks. We will not be buying the propaganda and uh, the Jaguars just cannot wait to cash in on this publicity no I mean the fact that Urban Meyer was kind of hemming and hawing and that's just so frustrating because Urban Meyer should come out and own it be like yeah I wanted this player I wanted Tim Tebow back in my locker room I've I have history with him I believe in the guy he's a good kind of competitor he's a good athlete and I want this guy on my team but the fact that Urban Meyer kind of backed off of him and kind of you know removed himself from the situation um, it, it, it's kind of clownery and I don't respect that I truly don't respect that because Folks, there's no other way. There's no other coach that would be like, hey, you know, I'm going to kind of st uh, bet my reputation that Tim Tebow is going to work out and then go to Urban Meyer and be like, hey, I think we should kind of sign this guy. It's Urban Meyer pushing all this Tim Tebow narrative. So the fact that he publicly came out on a podcast, I believe it was Colin, uh, Chris Collinsworth podcast and say, I didn't even know he was going to be here. I was just hearing what everybody else was telling me. And that was just my decision. And if they're saying, that you know he's in the good shape of his life uh, I guess I would I, I you know I guess you know I'll take the advice of my coaching staff and then, you know, he's like, um, also in that same podcast, we talked about it on the show, folks. Um, you know, he was saying, uh, Urban Meyer was saying that, um, uh, you know, I, I got to make a decision here, and I'm really not sure, right, really, if we're going to sign him yet. But then you're, you're, you've already got Tebow jerseys lined up for sale on your website, but you weren't sure if you were going to sign him. You knew you were going to sign him. This, you do not just send out, you just, you do not just send out, you know, emails of alerts to shop for the new Jaguars jerseys with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and Tim Tebow. Those are the three jerseys that they are showing here: Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and Tim Tebow. Of course they knew they were going to sign this man. From the instant that first story broke that they were thinking about signing him, they knew they were going to sign him. So I can't even respect Urban Meyer anymore now. So it's just this entire Jaguars uh, publicity stunt, if that's what you want to call it. It's not. I'm not buying it. I, I don't like it. I don't respect it. And this is where we're at with Tim Tebow right now, officially getting signed his Jersey is up for sale. He's also wearing number 85 at practice at the current moment. This is the first look that we get of Tim Tebow here. Uh, he's looking, I'm not going to lie, he's looking real solid. He's always been, you know, a very, you know, solid 6'2". He's not fast, he's not fat, but he's just kind of, he's beefy. He's he's beefy. He's, be, he's a beefy guy. Uh, even the neck is beefy. That that tree trunk neck is still beefy, folks. Uh, but he, I'm not going to lie, he is looking in decent shape. The back angle that we see of this man walking uh, to practice. He's looking beefy and he's looking in good shape, but 
I I'm not buying it. He's got gloves on. This man is so ready. It's like he just went to uh, the Nike store. It's like uh, when somebody wants to try out for a new sport and uh, the the uh, the tryouts are the very next day, and you know they're you're you're in the middle school or high school, and you're like, Mom, I I, I forgot to tell you, I'm signing up for football. I need gloves. I need pads. I need all this. And the mom's like, Oh, well, I guess we got to run to Dick's Sporting Goods to get you all the newest stuff. That's what Tim Tebow's looking like out here. The fresh new gloves. Oh, please spare me, Tim Tebow. Jeez, you need the gloves. I don't think, no tight end. Does any tight end wear gloves out there? I don't think there's a single tight end that's wearing gloves actively on the field. So this man's just, <laughs> this man's not even playing the part yet. But, um, Ugh, ugh. I saw this news this morning and I instantly hated it. We'll see how he does. I'm not buying it. I'm probably not buying it at all. Uh, but that's where we're at with Tim Tebow, folks. With the Jags officially signed, we'll see if he can make the fifth, final 53-man roster. And could you imagine you having to go to your family after you got cut by the Jags and be like, who took your place, sweetie? And you're like, Tim Tebow. And she's like, the the, the the quarterback that hasn't played in 10 years? <laughs> that, that's who you got beat out by? And then you never be able to live it down, and then you never be able to find a job. When you're going to apply for new teams, they'd be like, you got cut from the Jags? Why, why'd they cut you? We love everything that we saw about you. Well, they had Tim Tebow. Oh, they chose Tim Tebow over you. Big X. No, no, no. We're staying away. We're not signing you. So, oh, man. Oh, man. You would probably have to end it. If you got cut because of Tim Tebow, you, you would just have to end it, folks. Um, there's no coming back from that. So uh, we'll see if he makes the final roster. I'm not buying it. I absolutely hate it. But that's where we're at. And, uh, hey, Tim Tebow, a little bit of a heads up here because we get this story right here. George Kittle, Greg Olson, and Travis Kelsey have teamed up to create a tight end summit in Nashville. Other tight ends joining so far are Darren Waller, who you should be a spy. You should be having this man hung up on your wall, Tim Tebow. You should be having Darren Waller and Kyle Pitts posters hung up on your wall. Uh, so tight ends joining this summit are Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Mark Andrews, Mike Kosicki. Ooh, I love that the Dolphins is getting in there. Robert Tanya, Noah Fant, Zach Ertz, Cole Komet, John Smith, Eric Ebron, David Njoku. Folks, these are the A1 top tier tight ends in this league. So, Tim Tebow, you better get your ass to this summit and learn something. You better learn something. These are the greats. These are who you're going to be competing against, and you have no knowledge of the tight end position. You better go there and try to find out all the secrets you can, because if not, you're going to be garbage in this league because everybody on this list that we just named is as at least at least two inches taller than um tim tebow and they've all have not been nine years removed out of this league so uh, and there's also super bowl winning tight ends in this camp so please tim tebow go to this tight end summit you desperately need it desperately desperately you should be begging you should be begging you should be personally begging sending gifts to everybody that we just named here saying please please let me learn from you please i beg you you should be getting on your hands and knees kissing their feet just to be able to learn from these great tight end talents so get on it tim tebow you better be heading to nashville you better have your airline ticket booked, your hotel reserved, and uh, you better be heading to this tight end summit because you need to get every single drop of all these great tight ends information on their process and what they can, what they do to be better, what you can do to be better, what makes them great successes in this league because these are undeniably the A1 tier one tight ends in the league. So 
We'll see if Tim Tebow uh, goes to the summit. If he doesn't, then he's not serious about it, and then we can cut him finally, hopefully. <clears throat> all right, that's all the Tim, Tim, Tim Tebow news for today. Uh, like we said, uh, there there's going to be so much, folks. It's going to be every day we're seeing great plays ran by Tim Tebow. But, folks, just take everything you see of Tim Tebow with a grain of salt. This is a plan. I don't know if it's a PR stunt or a publicity stunt just quite yet or if it's an actual real. We're going to learn that in the coming weeks when everything kind of comes out. But whatever you see good of this man, there's going to be – more footage of him being bad they're only gonna let out the good tape of this man so don't fall a hundred percent in love with it he may be looking good out there and that's fine to kind of get a little excited for and start to root for but just take everything you see with the grain of salt because obviously there's going to be garbage absolutely horrendously ran routes dropped balls uh bad everything that does not make it to social media or just in the news in general so please just take everything you see of tim tebow with a huge grain of salt the, the biggest grain of salt you can ever find Assault mine, if you will. Um, but let's move on because it's trash. It's trash. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Now, I mean, folks, we've got a lot of crazy stories to talk about. We're starting to get real clear pictures of how this NFL season is going to play out. And I'm all about it. So here we go. The Texans signed another quarterback, folks. They just signed quarterback Jeff Driscoll, who spent last season with Denver and is now signing with the Texans. So now the Texans have four four quarterbacks and we thought it was strange that the Green Bay Packers were going after a third quarterback when they just had Jordan Love so this is looking real not good for Deshaun Watson right now that he's really not even going to play that all these lawsuits are really going to derail this man's entire career his legacy that he's been I mean folks he went under the radar as the league's leading passer this season folks you got to give that man a little respect you know on that garbage Texans organization he was still able to be very productive himself so we know this man's a great talent, but this lawsuit, these lawsuits have really, um, are really going to de derail this man. So the Texans quarterbacks are now Jeff Driscoll, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Finley, Davis Mills, and Deshaun Watson. That's five. I miscounted. That's five quarterbacks, four quarterbacks besides Deshaun Watson, and no team is going to have five quarterbacks. I know they're going into training camp and all that, but still, at the end of the day, they're having all their backup plans. They're having a huge quarterback competition here. They've got Tyrod Taylor, Jeff Driscoll, the two veterans. Ryan Finley's also a veteran. They just drafted Davis Mills, and that's another kind of huge huge sign there um, that uh, is getting amplified now that they are keep on bringing in quarterbacks. They they didn't have a first or second round pick in this year's draft. In their first pick that came in the third round, they used it on a quarterback, folks. I mean, if you are in a win-now scenario and you know that Deshaun Watson is going to play, you're not going to use your first draft pick that came in round three to choose a quarterback. You're going to get somebody else to, uh, to finally make an impact on this team, somebody that you can rely on because you did not have a first or second round pick so you're not going to waste it on a spot that's already filled with a you know a thousand percent starter so they draft Davis Mills with their first pick that's a quarterback and then they just keep bringing in more quarterbacks so it's not looking real good here for Deshaun Watson I know we haven't talked about him because there's really been no new developments in that story but here's the new development folks you can read between the lines here they are bringing in more quarterbacks they've been drafting quarterbacks Deshaun Watson's not going to be the week one starter, folks. He's not even, he probably won't even be on the Texans by the time the official season begins. So, real not good here for Deshaun Watson. And it's seeming like uh, the NFL is seeing 
like, hey, these stories are actually credible. These women are credible. If everything kind of comes out to light and plays out, there's no way that we can kind of keep him in the NFL because of the image. And we know the NFL is a big business, multi-trillion dollar a year. Trillion? Are they getting trillions a year? I'm sure. I'm sure. Trilly? A trilly? One trilly? I'm sure they can make, make that in a year. A multi-billion dollar organization here. Um, you know, every single year and, you know, they can't have, you know, this bad publicity with this Deshaun Watson of 20 females coming of accusing him of sexual assault. So, uh, they may just have to kind of be like, Hey, if you're going to plead guilty and all this is true, I mean, we can't keep you. We, we just cannot keep you in the league. So we'll see what happens here, but it's not looking real good here. <coughs> Now, these are cheap quarterbacks. They're not spending any money on these quarterbacks. Um, Jeff Driscoll got like um, a one-year $2.5 million deal. So they're not paying these quarterbacks big money, which, I mean, these are not big money talents. Uh, the the kind of silver lining here is that Tyra Taylor could get another shot in this league. And I'm definitely all about that because we know the last opportunity that he got got cut short by the medical doctors that freaking punctured this man's lung. And that's what made Justin Herbert come into the league. And Justin Herbert came out swinging from that first instance. So uh, kind of crazy how all that worked out. Um, Justin Herbert had the best rookie year ever in NFL history because Tyra Taylor got injured. So hopefully Tyra Taylor gets another opportunity here if it's not to Sean Watson expect Tyrod Taylor to be the week one starter here for the Texans and that's still pretty good let's see what this man can do um I'm a I'm a believer in Tyrod Taylor he's never really shown us anything that wouldn't I mean he's never been kind of a consistent starter because he's been kind of you know uh, a career kind of uh, not even a career backup he's just you know always it's just always unfortunate he's getting injured he's getting punctured lungs and you know players are stepping past him so maybe he gets his first real shot here with the Texans uh Deshaun Watson is uh not eligible to play for this uh Texans team or the NFL just in general but uh that's where we're at with the Texans folks they've got five quarterbacks on their roster right now uh not a good look not a good sign Alrighty, here, um, a quarterback that uh, probably should not be in jeopardy right now is Justin Fields, and Chris Collinsworth feels the same way on his podcast. He said, Chris Collinsworth, folks, NBC Football, NBC Night in America, Football, Sunday Night Football, y'all know this man. He says that I would play Justin Fields. He's a guy I would throw in right away, and we've been saying that all along. So once again, a little vindicated here. We believe in Justin Fields. It's just Andy Dalton. He's shown you nothing. He's been the backup. He's been, you know, the backup elevated to the starting role. He's played with a great offense, and he's shown nothing. He's floundered. He's a he's a career 8-8 eight and eight guy. That's all he is. We've seen it time and time and time again, folks. He had A.J. Green, and he still couldn't really do anything with that Bengals team. He was there for 10 years. Still could not do it any year can never do it so I don't understand why you would ever start Andy Dalton over Justin Fields you know what you got in Andy Dalton and that's not what this bear this Bears team needs right now they need to win they need to kind of develop their franchise guy because time is running out on Matt Nagy here he has no seasons he has no extra seasons to play around all right I'll start Andy Dalton and then we'll back up Justin Fields and if that doesn't work out if we're 0-5 then we'll put in Justin Fields but this Bears team can't go 0-5 they cannot go 0-5 Matt Nagy cannot have a losing season this man could be out of here next year um but 
if it doesn't play out well. So you need to get Justin Fields ready to go right now. There's no reps to waste here. Do not give Andy Dalton any first reps in practice, in the OTAs, you know, in practice before, you know, you have to make your official cuts because Justin Fields needs all those reps. You know this man's going to be the eventual starter. You know Andy Dalton's that. Even if you play in week one, you know he's not going to be the 16-game starter. I mean, uh, he, he, he floundered last year with the Cowboys. There's no reason for me to believe that he's going to get it done with this Bears team. There's zero reason for me to believe that. So you have to just start Justin Fields. You have to start him on the reps with the ones as soon as possible. Chris Collinsworth agrees, and I'll take that. I'll take that, absolutely. So, um, yeah, Justin Fields. We'll see if he's the quarterback week one, but he definitely should be 1,000%. Alrighty, more quarterback news here. Uh, the Eagles are having competition at every position, and we knew that. We've heard Eric's, uh, Nick Sirianni say that. We don't agree with that, but Jalen Hurts is embracing it. So Jalen Hurts on having to compete for the starting job, quote, I'm not above anything with competition. And we love that. We love this man's attitude. We love this man's demeanor, saying all the right things. Um, and then Jalen Hurts on having to compete for the starting job again, quote, rent is due every day, and I don't plan on missing any payments, baby. I got cash and flush with cash. I'm paying the landlord every mother-loving day, folks. I, I got it. I got it. I'm writing checks. I'm throwing cash in their face. We got it Gucci. I'm, I'm even paying two weeks in advance, baby. I'm the guy. Rent is due every day and I'm pl I plan on and I don't plan on missing any payments. So, yes, sir. I mean, it's not even that hard of a competition. It's Joe Flacco. It's Joe Flacco who stole $100 million from the Ravens. Uh, so, um, I, I love this, you know, energy, uh, the attitude of Jalen Hurts. I really just don't think Nick Sirianni is going to be the good head coach. So hopefully, hopefully Nick Sirianni can be a good head coach and doesn't ruin Jalen Hurts' career because if Jalen Hurts flounders this season, I don't even know if he's going to get another shot in this league. I need, uh, really, I think the media is really going to bury this man, and it's really, uh, it makes no sense to do that. And uh, But uh, I, I can see that being a reality if uh, Nick Sirianni is floundering as a head coach, the blame will go. Oh, Jalen Hurts just can't play. I mean, we saw him last year. He didn't really do anything great. We we liked we liked the way he played, but I'm kind of just voicing kind of the the media how they're gonna run with this story. They're like, you know, he's his second year, didn't really do anything great his first year, floundered his second year. We can't really give him a third year. Nick Sirianni, he didn't draft him, so Nick Sirianni is clear to go and draft another quarterback or get the quarterback he wants. Then Jalen Hurts hits the free market, and where is he gonna go? I mean, we, we don't know yet because we don't know the landscape of the quarterbacks, you know, in a year or two years. We, we're not going to know that. But is anybody going to take a gamble on Jalen Hurts after having not a good year, two years, year and a half? <clears throat> So it's unfortunate that Jalen Hurts is really going to have to kind of uh, rely that Nick Sirianni can get it done here for the Eagles. We don't believe in him, but we'll see what happens. But uh, Jalen Hurts is ready to grind, baby. He's ready to compete. It's no problem for this man. He knows he can beat Joe Flacco. I mean, if you don't think you could beat Joe Flacco uh, in a quarterback competition, uh, you probably should not be in this league anyway. So. Uh, well, we know who's going to win the starting job here for the Eagles, but we'll just see when it is officially announced. That's going to be the big question. When does he earn it? When do they come out? Alrighty, let's keep rocking here. We get some Bucks news. We know that they re-signed all their 22 starters, 11 offense, 11 defense. Everybody is coming back for the back-to-back. -back. Let's repeat, baby. We got Brady. You think we're gonna leave Brady? He's, you know, he's at the end of his career. We we can spend, you know, three, four years here not getting paid a lot of money. Uh, we're we're coming for rings. We're coming for chips. We're coming from legacy right now. So. 
some uh, there's some questions on if uh, Leonard Fournette was going to come back. So Bruce Arians on telling Leonard Fournette to stop pouting while benched. Quote, I said, look, when you come back on this field, you have 30 seconds to come back here and tell me that you're all in or you're going to ask me to release you. And then Leonard, Leonard Fournette's response was, coach, I'm all in. So we know that this man wants to win. We know that uh, the Bucks didn't really utilize Leonard Fournette that much in the regular season, but he was a definitely a huge staple in the playoffs and definitely in the Super Bowl. I think he scored a touchdown. No, didn't he get a rushing touchdown in the Super Bowl? So they definitely were using him not as much as he wants to be used. I mean, we know he wants to be that A1 tier one running back, running back number one. He's proved it with Jacksonville that he can be that guy. And we know the Bucks had, you know, a lot of running backs on their team already. So, you know, running back by committee, you know, wide receiver by committee, even tight end by committee. And they had, you know, Rob Gronkowski. So, it's great that Leonard Fournette didn't take, you know, all this personal. He got his reps when they came time. He utilized every single one of them, and he was a huge factor why this Bucks team won the ring. He was absolutely great in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. So I'm glad that this man's back. Bruce Arians always calls it like it is, and it seems like Leonard Fournette respects it because he's like, you know what? I am back, Coach. Coach, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not pouting about I'm not pouting about being benched anymore. I'm all about this team. I'm all about winning as a team. Um, and let's go get it done. So the Bucks are running it back. Uh, you got to really kind of take them as the favorites to come out of the NFC. I mean, absolutely. That defense really just hit its stride at the Super Bowl. How crazy is that? The defense that uh, was working all season long, their best game was in the Super Bowl, and they're all back this year. So they're going to get even better. Okay, I don't see this defense taking a step back at all. If anybody takes a step back, it's Tom Brady because father time will finally catch up to this man but he's been breaking all those kind of um the, the the rules he's been breaking the laws of physics folks do you do you understand what Tom Brady is doing out there he is breaking the laws of physics no uh, nobody can explain Tom Brady's success at this kind of how old is he 43 44 it's just absolutely wild so if there's anybody that takes a step back it's Tom Brady but the defense will be like we got you 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 know you carried us you know the entire season you were carrying that Patriots team the defense you know is uh, struggling sometimes for that Patriots defense and this Bucks defense is like, hey, if he's struggling, we got your back. We got your back. You don't think we're going to get Tom Brady's back, the greatest of ever do it's back? You don't think we're going to have his back? Come on. So that's where we're at with the uh, the Bucks, folks. Leonard Fournette, he, he's ready. He, he'll, be, he'll be the third string running back, the second string running back. Just, uh, you know, he's going to make the most of every single opportunity that he's given and he's all about it so this Bucks team man there's no there's no kind of rifts that are starting to crack oh, oh I want my fame I don't want to you know I don't want to share the fame with Tom Brady anymore I don't want to share the fame I don't want to fail uh share the uh, running back position with Ronald Jones uh, I want to be the guy I want to be the main reason why they win nobody's like that on this team so uh it's going to be absolutely fantastic there's no bad blood everybody wants to just win everybody wants to create a legacy everybody's going to kind of maximize their reps because they know that uh, we, we, we're we deep here. We're deep wide receiver. We're deep running back. We're deep tight end. We're kind of even deep defensive backs too, but uh, we're going to make the most out of all of our reps because we know they're short and that's how you get the best of uh, the best out of everybody. Oh, I know I'm only going to get five catches. You better damn believe that I'm going to go a thousand percent on every single one of those catches because if I was getting 15, I could maybe take a playoff. Oh, this one's in double coverage. I don't really want to go over the middle because I'm going to get 14 other catches, so I don't really need this one for five yards I'm not gonna really go I'm not gonna try that hard but if you're only gonna get you know three catches you going a, a running a slant over the middle in uh kind of um 
um, cover two, so you got the man and the safety coming down on you, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the hit. I'm going to sacrifice my body because I'm only going to get three catches. I need this five yards that I can kind of turn into 20, 25. Maybe I can break it off and rip it off 50 yards to the house for the touchdown because I'm going to need those yards to impact my stats because I'm only going to get three chances at it. So uh, the Bucks, man, we we love it. We love creating dynasties. Everybody buying in. Nobody wanting to kind of get the money. I don't, you know, we're not about the money yet. Let's build this dynasty. Let's build something. And I'm glad that Leonard Fournette's back at all in. <clears throat> Alrighty, speaking of, I mean, we've just been talking about coaches and quarterbacks today, and we're back with... <laughs> We're back with this one on uh, coaches here. So funny, folks. It's, it's just so funny. It's just so funny, folks. Dan Campbell wasn't even the Lions' first choice ad, as head coach. So this is truly uh, hilarious right here. So there's a report coming out that the Lions, the Detroit Lions, offered Iowa State's Matt Campbell an eight-year, $68.5 million deal to be their new head coach so Dan Campbell was not option one folks and of course who's gonna have Dan Campbell as their first option so it's just an absolute garbage organization that nobody even wants to kind of take I mean you're a college coach and you're turning down an NFL job not only an NFL job but an eight-year solidified deal worth 68 million dollars there's no way you're gonna pay 68 million dollars at Iowa State I can guarantee you that so the fact that this man would turn down the Lions job an NFL job a professional head coaching job to start building your resume plus 68 million dollars to go along with that and you turn it down I mean that just speaks to how bad this line's front office is and it's just so comical that they had to go and kind of scoop the bottom of the coaching barrel and be like all right, I guess we get Dan Campbell, who wants to bring a lion in. A lion went up to the owner of the Lions and said, can you get me a lion? That's the head coach that they have right now on their team. So just so comical, folks. We know this Detroit Lions team is trash. We know Dan Campbell is trash as a head coach. We, we've been saying it ever since the hire. We were puzzled by the hire when it first happened. And now it's all making sense, folks. It's just making sense. It's funny. Uh, this man turned down 68 million dollars because that's how bad the Lions front office is everything the general manager the owner this is the worst team in the NFL Matt Stafford had to leave and uh, Matt Campbell here turning down the job so they have to go to Dan Campbell so freaking hilarious folks uh, Dan Campbell, we, we, we've so far, when we've been kind of tracking, uh, going through the NFL schedule and predicting all the winners of every single week, we've got the line still at 0-10, folks, 10 weeks into the season. So it's not for no reason, folks. They didn't even want Dan Campbell. They wanted Matt Campbell. I don't think that's his brother. I don't think they're related. But uh, if they were, uh, Dan Campbell learned nothing from his brother. So that's not a good sign. So uh, just <laughs> how do you turn down $68 million, bro? When you are a college coach, if you, if you were telling me, Hey, you're going to be an NFL coach. I'd be like, all right. I wouldn't even want that much money. I'd be like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be an NFL coach. Now I can kind of prove myself and maybe even be able to coach a good team at one day, but I'm going to get my feet wet here. And I get $68 million. If they're like, yeah, we'll give you $68 million. I'd be like, yes, I'd sign it instantly. Instantly, I would sign that $68. Folks, $68 million? How do you turn down $68 million? Folks, just imagine what you would turn down $68 million for. Of a, Just think of that worst scenario that you can imagine that it would force 
force you to turn down $68 million. And that's the Lions, folks. That's the Lions organization. Whatever you just thought of the worst, the worst place to work ever for $68 million that you would still turn down, that's the Lions organization. So, trash. <laughs> Absolutely trash. So, Oh man, so funny, so funny. Um, but then you know the 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 Lions are still feeling confident in themselves, folks. They're still feeling feeling confident that they can get it done. So the Lions quarterback coach Mark Brunel says the, says Detroit can surprise like the 1996 Jaguars did because Mike Mark Brunel was the quarterback for that team. Uh, quote: We were a team that people didn't give much of a chance to do anything. It sounds familiar, does it? Doesn't it? No, no, no. You've got Dan Campbell as your head coach. In 1996, for the Jaguars head coach, you know who their head coach was? You know who their head coach was, folks? It was Tom Coughlin. It was Tom Coughlin. He was a head coach, the two-time Super Bowl winning head coach of the Giants, the 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 kind of uh, player guru that went back to the Jags as kind of a front office uh, front off front office uh, type of role and got them back to the AFC Championship game for one year. And then you know the Jaguars were just complete trash and he couldn't do anything with it. But this is a Super Bowl, Super Bowl winning head coach in 1996. That that was your head coach of the squad. And when we kind of compare that to what the Lions have now and Dan Campbell proving nothing. I cannot see Dan Campbell being a two-time Super Bowl winning head coach in this league. No, thank you. No, thank you at all. So um, if you want to compare and if you have to go back, you know, 20 years, 25 years to 1996 to kind of be like, hey, that that that's the team we're going to be. Well, no, because it hasn't happened in 25 years. That's why you haven't used anything more recent. Or you just wanted to use or just kind of remind everybody, hey, I was a Jaguars starting quarterback in 1996. And I do want to shout him out because I did look at that year and he did have 4,000 yards, which is pretty good, uh, especially for 1996. Uh, but he also had 19 touchdowns and 20 interceptions, folks. So <laughs> trash there. So uh, kind of escaped a little bit in a maybe a bad year. Came out, you know. Uh, just kind of was able to get some garbage wins and make it competitive. I think they ended up getting, to, um, let's see. I think they ended up getting to like the, uh, the second round of the playoffs there this year. Here we go. They lost the conference championships, uh, six to 20 against the Patriots in 1996. So that's the year. That's the kind of team that, uh, this Lions quarterback coach, Mark Brunel is saying that uh, the Lions are going to do this year. They're going to get to the, uh, to the uh, NFC Championship game. You believe that? <laughs> I truly don't. Not at all. So, um, yeah, I think you're a little off the mark there, Mark Brunel. I think you're a little off the mark. Alrighty, and uh, as we are approaching June, folks, we know what that means. Julio Jones trade rumors are back on the market back in the mainstream we heard everything from um, Arthur Blank on you know Julio Jones and everybody as soon as the season ended he said everybody's up for sale a couple months later he's like no 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 we're gonna run it back comes the draft they choose a tight end they don't kind of replace a wide receiver or anything like that they get a nice receiving tight end um and then uh, now that uh, we've all heard the news that if they like either cut or trade Julio Jones um, after June 1st, they can save like a ton of money against the cap. So that's why these rumors are coming back out, real or false, true or false. We're not really sure just quite yet. I would kind of lean as false right now. I don't think these are true rumors just quite yet. 
uh, new head coach. Let's ease him in a little bit. You've got kind of an A1, um, I'm not going to say tier one, but I'm going to say an A1 quarterback in Matt Ryan who has proven to get you to the Super Bowl. He's been able to do it. You've got two great wide receivers. You just got one of the most elite pass-catching tight ends in NFL right now, even though he's a rookie. So I don't know if trading Julio Jones right now is the best decision for this Falcons team. I know they save a lot of money against the cap, but he's in that new head coach, man. It's not easy. Nick Sirianni's playing with Jalen Hurts, and really, he's got Devontae Smith, who we think is going to play out. But besides that, no really great weapons. Dan Campbell, they got Jared Jared Goff, who we are still believers in, but they've got no other running backs or any talent there. The Jets, I mean, Robert Sala, a rookie quarterback with no weapons. So don't make it any harder than it has to be for this new head coach here. He's a man year one. And, you know, if you take the cap hit, you take the cap hit. You, You are going for the ring right now. Go all in. You've got the pieces offensively. Hopefully this new coach can come in and clean up the defense a little bit. And then you're, you know, top of the NFC and trying to get into the playoffs, trying to get into the Super Bowl, I should say. Uh, So... I'm not really sure if I'm buying these Julio Jones trade rumors, but uh, for the next, for the next, uh, how many days here? There's 31 days here, so for the next 11 days, these are going to be coming hot and heavy, folks. They need there's a, there's a lot of cap money to be saved if they get rid of him after June 1st. So watch out for a lot of buzz here for this week, a lot of false stories coming out. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on it. But I, I don't think it I don't think the trade gets I don't think the trade gets done. I don't think he gets shopped. I think they're going to run it back one more year at least. All right, let's head over to some NBA stories now. Um, man, man, oh, man, that LeBron-Steph Curry saga is still going good, folks, when it's just the two of them, truly. What an absolute great game last night. LeBron called game over Steph Curry, tied at, I believe, 100 with a minute left, and LeBron James hits that deep three, folks, and we get this great picture right here. And, man, oh, man, this is why I freaking love sports, love competition, I mean, just for forever ingrained just this one photo will go down in history as one of the greatest kind of you know plays of all time LeBron James hitting that jumper from three over Steph Curry man it's just so great to see high level competition back in the NBA now that the playing tournament is here now that the playoffs are starting and it's just absolutely great to see well I mean one of the the best game of the season hands down hands down better than the Bucks and Nets games that you know happened a couple weeks ago this game was all it was back and forth it was a big lead by the Warriors getting out to that great lead third quarter LeBron and company starts uh, storming back but they take the lead Steph Curry says no 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 we're getting the lead back they regain control Steph Curry's still going crazy and then it's a tie game close at the end and LeBron who everybody says is you know unclutch and can't get it done which is literally the grossest narrative ever written in any sports of about any player folks the fact that y'all say that LeBron James is not clutch it's literally laughing and easily disprovable, folks. He is pro- he's the second clutchest player of all time at the current moment. There's a stat there's a stat floating around that uh, uh, the most game winning shots in history over the last 25 years is Kobe at one with like 101, and they count they count clutch shots as uh, like a close game with a minute left. Um, and LeBron's number two at 97, so only four big shots away from Kobe Bryant, folks, and he's number one. So don't disrespect LeBron James. I know it's fun to do. I, I guess I, I've never done it. I don't think it's that fun. I like to appreciate greatness. But, uh, I mean, just, ap- folks, just absolutely magnificent. LeBron getting poked in the eye, all that. Le- 
LeBron having literally the entire weight of the NBA on the shoulder because he knows after every single miss, he has the potential to get clowned on social media for the rest of his career, folks. He knows he's competing against, you know, Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. He's also competing against every single person on Twitter, everybody in the uh, in on the internet because he knows that they will bring up every single missed shot ever to discredit this man and uh he silenced everybody last night and now everybody wants to say oh it was a lucky shot come on come on folks come on come on stop with that lucky nonsense folks people know people like when you're going for a shot and this goes for everything when you know that you're playing somebody else and you're kind of mentally playing them i'm allowing this so i can get this later i'm allowing this now and and then i'm gonna kind of flip it i'm going right when i go left and then that fools them for the rest of the game People, people don't understand that. That's what's going through everybody, like athletes' minds when they're kind of competing against people. They're trying to do things differently, get inside their head. I'm showing right all game so I can go left at the end of the fourth quarter, and then that big play hits, but they never get credit for that kind of initial setup in their mind, you know, in the first half of the game, in the first quarter, whenever they did it. So stop disrespecting LeBron James saying that this was a lucky shot, folks. This is, you know, LeBron's a good three-point shooter, folks. I don't know where that narrative is coming from yes he goes through some rough spots of not hitting great threes we've seen it this season but at the end of the day he's improved his three game uh and you know it was on display last night and a huge shot over Steph Curry it's poetic folks it's just everything uh Steph Curry the greatest three-point shooter of all time the greatest shooter of all time and uh LeBron hits it right over him and you know, uh, Steph Curry's the new age. You know, LeBron's kind of, you know, the old age fading out, unfortunately. You know, uh, thankfully, we're still kind of milking LeBron and we're still mil- milking Tom Brady. So those are always good. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is, you know, there's going to be debates about the greatest of all time between LeBron James and Steph Curry. That's going to be the new debate in 20, 40, 50 years down the line. It's not going to be LeBron James and MJ anymore. It's going to be LeBron and Steph Curry. And we're going to have this picture. We're going to have this game and that entire saga that we kind of, you know, recapped yesterday on the show, breaking down the top 10. And it's just an absolute great matchup here. It's an absolute great kind of rivalry, however you want to describe it. And we got it. We got it again last night. And I cannot be any, any great folks. I was just in awe watching it last night. Absolutely magnificent perfection. Was that the perfect game? It might have been the most perfect game. I was rooting for the Warriors at the end, but man, man oh man, I got to give it up for LeBron, man. How can you not love it? How can you not? to love it folks Stop hating and just start appreciating, folks. Appreciate the greatness while you have it, folks. The folks, the, the fact that we're living right now in this age of the NBA, I don't know if there's any more exciting. I don't know if there was an exciting or. Um, era in the NBA and I know you know y'all love Michael Jordan that's fine but man I don't know is there anybody as exciting to watch as Steph Curry I don't know folks I truly don't last night six of nine from three getting it done that buzzer beater at the end of the first half magnificent folks so Man, oh man, love it. Uh, we'll see if they meet in the finals at some point. If they do, it would be the uh, Western Conference Finals. And how crazy would that be? The seventh seed versus the eighth seed in the Western Conference Finals? Jeez, jeez, man. What a narrative to talk about. But we'll see what happens. But uh, Lakers cashed in the seventh seed last night. All credit to LeBron James, a thousand percent. 
And uh, Steph Curry, man, that uh, that kind of right arc of the three-point line, man, he can't defend it well because this is kind of the same shot that Kyrie hit over him in the finals that kind of uh, uh, capped off the epic comeback of the Cavs, uh, beating that uh, 3-1 deficit and coming back to win. You know, a lot of that hinged on Kyrie Irving hitting the shot, and this is kind of the big shot that uh, we always respect Kyrie Irving for. Whenever we kind of uh, talk about Kyrie Irving, we always bring up the shot because it is one of the most clutchest shots in NBA history, and we got to give him a ton of credit for it. And, you know, this is why we like Kyrie Irving when he does stuff like this. This is why we still root for Kyrie Irving, even though we don't really love Kyrie Irving the person. Uh, we love Kyrie Irving the player because of this moment, and uh, LeBron James hit it kind of from the same spot, deeper, deeper than uh, Kyrie Irving, but still kind of the same same kind of circumstance, game on the line, uh, top right corner three, and this one's deep from LeBron James, and Steph Curry just gets hit both, gets hit both times for those losses, so Steph Curry, you better start uh, practicing that kind of uh, right-winged, uh, right-corner three defense and uh, cutting that out because he's just getting burned from that spot in the biggest, in the biggest moments, in the biggest game, so get it together, Curry, get it together. All right, a couple more stories go through. Here we go. Let's keep going here. Uh, the Cavs. Ugh, I don't like this one. There's a report going around that the Cavs are expected to give Jared Allen a $100 million contract extension. Now, we absolutely love it because we definitely think he deserves it. We are big fans of Jared Allen. We really wish the Nets didn't get rid of him um, earlier on in this season, and now he's with the Cavs, and that's where the issue lies, folks. We don't want this man on this Cavs team. They're going to be absolutely not good. Now, we do like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, but we know they can't stay healthy they can't even really win games and they're really just not superstars they're good shooters they're a little streaky they're good scorers but at the end of the day this team needs more superstars there's no superstar on this team uh, Jared Allen is very close but he's still a little young I don't know if I give him the superstar tag just quite yet and, you know, we know that you can't win with a superstar big. Anthony Davis tried it himself. It does not get done. He teams up with LeBron James. They win a chip. No no worries. Easy peasy. So, um, love that Jared Allen's going to get the money, but don't like that he's going to be locked in with the Cavs for probably about uh, five, six years. I don't like that at all. So, um Unfortunate, deserved, unfortunate. Hopefully the Cavs can put together some good pieces. Hopefully Darius Garland and Colin Sexton can step up. We'll see what happens with Kevin Love. He said he kind of wants out, but we'll see if he's still there next year. But uh, Jared Allen's going to get paid, folks, and truly deserved. Alrighty, and uh, let's keep going here. The Knicks say they plan to admit 13,000 fans to Madison, Madison Square Garden starting with the team's first home playoff game in eight years against Atlanta on Sunday. So this is huge, man. Huge that the Knicks have this good defense. Uh, they're going to bring in fans in the stands at the right time. Once again, giving more energy, more momentum to this Knicks team. And like we said, they are going to need it because this Hawks team is going to be tough for this Knicks team to beat because They've got the great outside shooters. They got the great scoring potential. Where the Knicks, they kind of have to rely on everybody to be on their A game and their defense to get it done. So hopefully the fans can kind of add that extra kind of oomph to kind of push them past uh, the Hawks here. We said it goes seven, and we got the Hawks in seven. But uh, maybe uh, the fans in the stands play their part, get it done in Game Seven when the game's on the line. Uh, the noise, the defense is just too much for the Hawks to overcome. So uh, the the Knicks are kind of coming along together at the right time. Everything's really kind of starting to add up for this team to make a decent playoff run. Their first, as we said, in just eight years. So we'll see how the fans affect the Hawks. Uh, but it's going to be a great series uh, either way.
Um, all right, and then the uh, do we go over this? Should we go over this? Um, we can save this. Did we go over this? Let's go over it really quickly. So, uh, new kind of build your team. Uh, you know, you see these all over the internet all the time. So, uh, build your $15 team. So, we got $15 to spend. The $5 tiers are LeBron, Giannis, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. The $4 tiers are AD, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Jokic, Curry. The $3 tiers are Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler. The $2 tiers are Ben Simmons, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. And the $1 tier. Tiers are Brandon Ingram, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyle Lowry, Donovan Mitchell, and Zion Williamson. So we've got fifteen dollars to spend. I'm taking the three dollars and I, or I'm taking the four dollars and spending it on Curry there for the point guard position. Um, I'm gonna take the three dollar there for Joel Embiid. That's seven dollars so far. What do we got? Uh, Eight dollars left to spend. And we need three spots. Alrighty, I'm taking Steph Curry, Joel Embiid. $8. Damn, $8 left. I'm taking LeBron James. That's $5. We got three spots left. Two spots left with $3. So we're going to take Devin Booker at $2. And... Do we take Zion? Do we take Zion? We got the nice shooters, Curry, Devin Booker. We got the great down low game of LeBron James, Joel Embiid. And that's sad. Um, yeah, damn. Maybe, yeah, Zion Williamson. Let's get it. So our $15 team, LeBron James, that's 5 bucks. Curry, that's 4 That's 9 Joel Embiid, $3. That's 12 Devin Booker, that's 2 bucks. That's 14 And then we'll take Zion Williamson to round it out for a dollar, And that would be our kind of starting $15 team there. I'm liking it. LeBron, Steph Curry, got to have them. Joel Embiid, I mean, just that. I mean, we could run three guys. <laughs> we could run $3, or uh, we can run three guys on that team and pretty much beat everybody else. There's just those three players. So uh, that's our $15 team. All right. Uh, those were all the stories that we needed to go over for today. So let's head over to the NBA. We'll break down the games from last night. We'll do our moneymaker for tonight's loan action. Um, and then we'll talk about the sixth man of the year. And then we'll do the NFL schedule for weeks 10 and 11, walking through those games. 11 through 12, I think, 11 and 12. Um, all right, so the NBA from last night, the first playing tournament game, not the good one. Uh, the Grizzlies and the Spurs, and still a pretty decent game. Grizzlies got out to a nice hot start. Spurs came back, and the Grizzlies were able to kind of hold on defensively. So uh, very well done for the Grizzlies last night. Everybody was getting it going for the starting lineup, so let's start over there with the Grizzlies. John Morant, 20 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. He shot 2 of 5 from the 3 as well, not uh, terrible. Dylan Brooks, I mean, man, oh, man, we got to give this man so much credit, folks. Dylan Brooks is really the lifeblood of this team defensively, offensively. Uh, he puts up 24 points, three assists, seven rebounds. He had two steals, and he took 21 shots. Just So being the primary scorer here, putting the ball in his hands, and it's been working out. So we got to give... Dylan Brooks, a ton of credit here. It's going to be a huge matchup come Friday when it's War Wizards, Warriors, Warriors and Grizzlies for that last eighth, eighth seed because we just saw the Warriors and the Grizzlies play with the last regular season game. And that winner took the eighth seed. The Warriors won it, but Dylan Brooks was clamping down on Steph Curry and probably would have won the game if he didn't foul out with six minutes left. So now they have to go face again. Can he re-clamp up? Can he not foul out? And can he change the course of his history and get that eighth seed so Dylan Brooks man he's been absolutely balling out here and let's see if he can get it done finally against this Warriors team on Friday 
Jonas Valanciunas just absolutely getting it done down low as well. 23 points, 23 rebounds to go along with that as well. Just getting it done. Jaron Jackson Jr. at the 4, 10 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Um, and Kyle Anderson, 9 points. He shot 2 of 2 from the 3. 30% overall from the field. Not the greatest and 6 rebounds to go along with it. But all the starters were able to get it done. 3 players in 20 plus points. And then everybody basically in 10 plus points on the starting roster. Able to kind of beat the lackluster scoring ability of the Spurs. And we've been known that. So, well done for the Grizzlies. Um, Grayson Allen did play four minutes off the bench, so maybe I don't think he's going to get back in the starting lineup just of how well Dylan Brooks has been for this team, but maybe um, maybe a little bit more of a bigger role coming off the bench for the threes a little bit. Like we said, he only played four minutes, took two shots, didn't hit him. Um, oh, oh, of two from the field. So, we'll see what, uh, what happens here off the bench here. Uh, we got Desmond Bang playing 24 minutes off the bench, 7.6 rebounds. Uh, not a bad performance out there, but nobody else doing really anything. Also, our moneymaker last night was Grizzlies minus four and a half, and they win by four. Classic there. That's the only reason why we lost. Once again, losing by a half a point, folks. And that's why we really don't track our bets too much. I know, you know, that's real popular if you, you know, you offer your advice on betting and all that. And I get it uh, to really kind of track of how good you are. But, you know, these kind of half-point losses, I don't really count them as true losses. We were still on the right track. It was right there. Uh, so, like, one uh, one point, half a point losses, we, that's why we don't really track them because you can't really make the exception for them. It just automatically comes up as a loss. And I get it. It is a loss. You lose your money, and, you know, that's always never good. But, um, you know, that's betting. I mean, it, that's how it goes sometimes. Those half-point hooks always get you. Um, but I don't really like to count those as losses because we were still on the right track. And, you know, that's, you know, all, as, I mean, you know, games can, nobody knows how a game's going to turn out. So as long as our, our thinking is on the right track, that's really all I care about. Yes, I want to win. Obviously, I'm, 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 we're losing money. That's never good. Uh, but, you know, as long as our thinking is on the, uh, is on par, we've got no problem losing by a half a point, a point like that, because we knew our thinking was right on the money. So uh, as long as our thinking's right there. Uh, we know, you know, the whistles, the refs, you know, is there some kind of, you know, conspiracy, you know, by the refs in the NBA to rig it? I mean, you, you get those questions all the time. We, nobody knows for certain. Uh, so, you know, that's why we really don't like to track our own wins and losses um, on like official websites where you track all that shit or just on, you know, myself keeping, you know, a spreadsheet or whatever. It's just because of that stuff, folks. So, uh, our thinking was right out of the money. The lackluster scoring ability by the Spurs, they only put up 96 points. The great defense by the Grizzlies, uh, minus four and a half, they win by four. Thinking was right there, folks. So, uh, not bad. It's a good loss if we have to lose. Alrighty, uh, let's talk about the Spurs now. Here we go. Let's keep going here. Um, DeMar DeRozan, very bad game here. 20 points, but on 23% shooting on 21 shots. So really not efficient out there. Not really reliable. And we know that they he's like their number one scoring option. So if he's not getting it done, can't really expect anybody else to get it done. And that's really what this starting lineup was. Just nobody getting it done. DeJounte Murray, 10 points. He had 11 assists and 13 rebounds. So great there. But points-wise, 10 points on 23% shooting on 17 shots. Yikes. Uh, Lonnie Walker. Eight points on 25% shooting. Once again, little yikes out there. Jacob Podal, 10 points, 10 rebounds. Solid game out there. And then Keldon Johnson, 11 points, 11 rebounds. Not bad. One of two from the three. 
45% overall from the field. Um, luckily, they got a great contribution from their bench, which is kind of surprising. We don't really see that too much. And Rudy Gay goes and puts up 20 points and 7 rebounds off the bench. So we'll give them that. But then Patty Mills only 9 points, and that was really it. Um, so no deep threat scores here from the Spurs team like we know. They get bounced. And uh, Greg Popovich, is he done? Is he going to retire, folks? I mean, these last two years have not been good for this man. So um, I don't know if he's going to want to be a part of another rebuild for the Spurs team maybe aging out of this league a little bit. That female uh, assistant coach, is she going to be the first ever, ever official head coach of a team? So watch out for that in this offseason because I don't know if uh, um, Greg Popovich is going to be back for the Spurs. I mean, they've been floundering these last two seasons, folks, and we know this with Greg Popovich's Spurs team, they were hitting the playoffs every single season. These last two years, big old goose egg, home early, not in the playoffs. So the Grizzlies get the win, and they move on to face the Warriors on Friday for the eighth seed. And now let's talk about the Warriors and the Lakers, the best game of the entire year, folks. LeBron, Steph Curry, it's always fireworks when those two are going at it. And man, oh man, was that game absolutely fantastic last night. The big three ability. Let's watch the game-winning three one more time here. Man, oh man, here we go. 56 seconds left. These are the last three points of the game, folks. LeBron, catch and shoot, time winding down. There is two point, There is 1.9. Nine seconds left on the shot clock as soon as uh, LeBron James catches this ball deep. He's at the Staples Center logo on the side of the court, folks. That's how deep he is. And he just catch, catches, shoots, drains it, drains it. And that's the game winner, folks. No more points scored for the last 58 seconds. The Lakers defense, Drake is courtside, loving it. Um, a lot of people were clowning LeBron James during the game because they were losing most of it. And uh, there was a picture that surfaced uh, yesterday that uh, LeBron was at a party with Michael B. Jordan and uh, Drake. And, uh, of course, I'm going to do that. I don't care that I got to play in a playing tournament game the next night. I don't care. I'm going to party with Drake a thousand percent. Uh, so a lot of people were clowning him. But, hey, at the end, LeBron James had his cake and ate it too. Partied with Drake. Won against Steph Curry. In two days stretch, man, oh, man, he must be feeling on top of the world here. But, uh, man, oh, man, after getting poked in the eye and then uh, you hear the press conference after. Um, and we never know if this is true or not. But uh, LeBron James gets poked in the eye by Draymond Green a little earlier uh, in the game. Still in the fourth quarter, still late. Um, but he gets poked in the eye. And then uh, after he hit the shot after uh, after the game ends, uh, he's like, yeah, I, uh, my vision was screwed up for the entire game after I got poked in the eye. And I saw three rims and I just aimed for the center one. It's like... Is is that really is that true? I don't know. We hear that all the time. I mean, folks, that's not the first time. Oh, I, I saw three and I just aimed for the center one. It's like the classic trope that you say. But um, regardless, he hit the shot, so we got to give him credit for that. So I'll give him that. And uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. As soon as I saw this live, I thought it was gonna be short. I thought it was gonna be way short, and I thought it was gonna be real ugly, and uh, Twitter was gonna explode. But it just drains, cashes in, basically swish, basically nothing but net. So big. Names hit big shots in the biggest games. Got to give LeBron so much credit. Man, man oh, man. I, I want to watch the game again, honestly. Truly. I may do that after the show. Who knows? Uh, but uh, just an absolute wonderful game last night, truly. 
All right, so let's talk about the stats now. Here we go. Dennis Schroeder, KCP, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond. That was the starting lineup. Dennis Schroeder, 12 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. He had a clutch 3. He only hit one, 1 of 6 from the game, but that clutch 3, when Steph Curry hit a 3, he came right back and hit a 3 as well. I mean, once again, I mean, that's how you stop the Warriors. You have to extinguish all their momentum-gaining plays whenever they happen. And Dennis Schroeder did that and, you know, close 3-point game. So, once again, they got to give everybody on this Lakers team so much credit. They played so well. Not great in the first half, but they came out after halftime and give so much credit to Frank Vogel as well. I mean, now LeBron finally has a real solid, smart head coach out here for the first time in his career. Finally has some nice supporting cast with Anthony Anthony Davis, even though he was kind of floundering in the first half, got it done in the second half. But man, oh man, everything is coming right here for LeBron James, finally getting everything that he wants and deserves. And I couldn't be happier because he's winning games and it's looking real good out here. All right, so Dennis Schroeder, 12 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. KCP, 10 points, 3 steals, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. Andre Drummond, only playing 16 minutes in the starting lineup, 4 points, 7 rebounds. Anthony Davis, 25 points, led the team in scoring, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. He only hit 1-3 as well, but it was a huge 3 in the second half, 1 of 6 from the 3. And then LeBron James, triple-double game winner. What more do y'all want? Stop calling this man not clutch. It's not a true narrative, folks. You're just spewing hatred for no reason, spewing false information, false narratives. And don't y'all always claim to hate fake news? And here y'all are. <laughs> here y'all are. Uh, so LeBron James, 22 points, 10 assists, 11. 11 rebounds, 2 of 4 from the 3, the game-winning 3, folks, folks, oh my god, oh my gosh, I can't, he was also a plus 13 on the uh, on the floor himself, so once again, getting it done, the starting lineup didn't really do that great in the plus-minus, but when LeBron's on the floor, folks, that defense is amazing, we know. Alrighty, off the bench now. Alex Caruso had a pretty good night as well. 14 points, 3 steals, 1 block, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. Really just getting it done all throughout the game. And he was a plus 4 on the field, so we'll, on the on the floor. So we'll give him that. Kyle Kuzma played 22 minutes, 6 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Only took 7 shots, 0 of 2 from the 3. But once again, he was a plus 8 on the floor as well, getting it done defensively. And uh, that's very well done for Kyle Kuzma. Didn't get the points. Uh, luckily, they they didn't really need the points because they still won. But uh, that defense, that defense coming in clutch at the second half, and that's really what got the Lakers to win. Yes, LeBron James big shot, but that defense to stop the Warriors, uh, we were able to get them really the win last night. <clears throat> All right, let's go to the Warriors now. Kelly Oubre Jr. not in the game. And once again, they very close. Competitive game. We had them plus five and a half. Warriors plus five and a half. They lose by three. We win it. Bingo, bango. Uh, you know, that's why we love it. We know the Warriors always play up to their competition, folks. All right, so Steph Curry, 37 points, 3 assists, 7 rebounds, 6 of 9 from 3. Very well done. Uh, Kent Bazemore at the 2, 10 points, 5 steals, 4 rebounds, 3 of 5 from 3. Yes, sir. Kevon Looney at the five, six points, but he had 13 rebounds. He actually was kind of getting it done down low against Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond. So Kevon Looney actually had a really good night last night. Draymond Green, two points, three steals, three blocks, nine rebounds, eight assists, a classic Draymond Green game. Unfortunately, he shot 0-5 from the field, couldn't really kind of be that uh, offensive score, but you know we know that's not Draymond Green's game. So uh, still plus zero on the floor, still getting it done defensively. Unfortunately, LeBron just hit that clutch three, man. 
Um, and then Andrew Wiggins, a lot of people don't respect this man, and I hate it. He plays good defense. He gives us, you know, 15 to 20 points, and he gave us 21 points last night. 21 points, two assists, three rebounds, one to five from the three. That was not good, but 55% from the field. I'll take that, plus one on the floor. Uh, so, you know, Andrew Wiggins gets disrespected, but he's kind of the unsung hero on this Warriors team. We all know Steph Curry and Draymond Green, and, you know, the big flounder that was Kelly Oubre Jr. Nobody wants to talk about that, but everybody wants to clown Andrew Wiggins. What are we talking about, folks? What, truly, what are we talking about? So, stop with the Andrew Wiggins hate. He's a solid reason why this Warriors team is even competitive still. Um, and then the bench really kind of got it done for the Warriors as well. Jordan Poole, 10 points, 3 assists. He shot 2 of 5 from the 3. Juan Toscano Anderson, 9.6 rebounds. He shot 2 of 5 from the 3. And then Michael Mulder, 5 points on only 5 shots, 3 rebounds as well. A plus 0 on the floor. So not bad game, not a really bad game here by this Warriors team, elevating their play against the best teams. And unfortunately, just that last, uh, that last shot with a minute left and couldn't do anything for the final minute. But uh, well done for the Warriors. I really hope they get that 8th seed. Uh, it's going to be Warriors, Grizzlies, and I like to root for John Morant, but I got to go with Steph Curry on this one, folks. I truly got it too. So uh, we'll see what happens Friday, but I'm rooting for the Warriors. I want to see them get the eighth seed, and let's see if the Lakers and Warriors can get back to, you know, facing each other late in the playoffs. Not Can't do it in the in, in the finals anymore because they're on the same, um, same division. But uh, I would love to see it. I would love to see Western Conference Finals, Steph Curry, LeBron. I can go for a seven-game series of what we just saw last night a thousand percent every single day. I actually tweeted last night that um, <laughs> during the game that um, the NBA just needs a change into a LeBron-led team and a Curry-led team in a seven-game series. You do it twice a month for seven months, and then uh, if, if it's 7-7 seven, seven after the 14 uh, individual seven-game series, then you'll do a tiebreaker, just kind of draft. Uh, we just need to see LeBron James versus Steph Curry. That's really it. Everybody else is kind of going to be irrelevant in that game. Uh, but that's really how the NBA should be because that was the greatest game of the season last night. Hands down, no debate. All right, so that was the uh, the NBA from last night. I mean, we're just getting started, folks. These are the play-in games, so imagine those playoff games. And we've got some real good series. We've got some nice emerging teams coming up. And, uh, you know, LeBron's not even top four seed here. So we'll see uh, if he gets bounced early or if he can kind of make this huge comeback. No team has ever won the finals as a seventh seed. So maybe LeBron can kind of put that on his resume, folks. Alrighty, let's do our moneymaker for tonight's lone game. Uh, the winner of this game gets into the playoffs. The loser goes home, and it's Wizards and Pacers. Uh, Pacers on the road, Wizards at home. So uh, let's see who's in and out here. Let's get the uh, spread all good to go. It's on 8 o'clock on TNT. All right, so let's get these lines up today, and here we go. We get the Pacers plus 3.5, Wizards minus 3.5. So let's see who's all good to go. For the Pacers, Jeremy Lamb is out. Malcolm Brogdon is a game-time decision. Karis LeVert is still out, but that's a good thing. We just saw how well they played, 144 points offensively. Holy moly. Uh, so Karis LeVert is still out. Huge good sign there. And then Edmund Sumner is a game-time decision. And then for the Wizards, everybody is good to go for that squad. So um, Wizards at home, it's going to be a close one, and I really do want to take the Wizards here. I'm going to be rooting for the Wizards. I don't want to see the Pacers, but the way that that Pacers offense played, I've got to take them plus three and a half points here, folks. I love the Wizards, and I love that you know Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal can really get it done, but they floundered in their first game, both offensively not getting it done, and that's what they're going to need. Now, do they step it up at home? Most likely, but I have not seen this Pacers team play as well as they did in that first meeting against the Hornets. Now, I know it's against the Hornets, but 
but this Wizards team doesn't have anything good themselves either. They got Sabonis down low, and who's going to stop him? I mean, they've got no good big, so this Wizards team. So they're really going to have to rely on Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal to get it done. But the way that this Pacers team got out scoring um, just kept it up 144 points for the entire game, folks. I think they may be kind of like uh, the Warriors playing better without Kelly Oubre Jr., the Pacers playing better without Karis LeVert. So I'm going to take the plus three and a half here for the Pacers. Maybe it's a close game, but this Pacers team, if there's going to be a blowout, I think it's the Pacers blowing out the Wizards. I don't really know if this Wizards team can blow out this Pacers team. They don't really have that offense. So I'm going to take the plus three and a half points here for the Pacers. I don't want to see them to win, but I, I, after what I saw in that, fir in that first play-in tournament, these play-in tournament games, I got to take this Pacers team. The, the scoring was absolutely fantastic. No Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert may have been their problem, folks. Uh, Kelly, Oubre, Kelly Oubre Jr. was the Warriors' problem. They're better without him. Maybe the Pacers are, are the same way. So I'll take the Pacers plus three and a half points here. Hopefully it's close. Hopefully the Wizards win by one. That's the dream scenario tonight that I'm rooting for. Uh, Wizards win by one. We hit the bat. We get the Wizards into the playoffs. That's really what we want to see. So Pacers plus three and a half. We got to just take the points here, folks. We just got to take the points. So Pacers on the road. Eight, eight o'clock TNT. Winner gets the eighth seed. We'll take the Pacers plus the points. Alrighty, let's uh, continue on with our. Well, actually, before we get into that, well, yeah, let's. Uh, we can introduce it here. We are going to talk about the six man of the year today. This is what we've kind of been doing um, this week since we've kind of have a little extra time in the show uh, because there's only kind of one or two games on every day in the NBA, so we don't have to spend that much time on them. Uh, but we've been kind of solidifying our MVP, Rookie of the Year picks. We just picked uh, Jokic as the MVP. As the MVP, as the MVP two days ago, we've got uh, Anthony Edwards as the Rookie of the Year yesterday, and today we've got to look at the Sixth Man of the Year. So we'll be uh, looking at um, some prospects here. We're not going to agree with everything on DraftKings, and this is what I want to bring up. So the MVP we got is Jokic, and DraftKings agrees. They've got Jokic as minus 10,000, and then Steph Curry is plus 3,000 at number two. So this is a surefire hands down. We know Jokic is going to win MVP. Vegas does not lose money, but is what is real interesting is disrespectful, and I forgot to look at this yesterday. I just looked at it today, and I was like, whoa, 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 what? Uh, um... So, LaMelo Ball is the favorite to win Rookie of the Year, but big favorites, minus 2,000. And then, Anthony Edwards is number two at plus 900, and I do not agree. We just told y'all why yesterday on the show, but the fact that DraftKings is going to have this big lead for LaMelo Ball, I truly don't get it, man. Now, LaMelo Ball had a great kind of month, two-month stretch where they were kind of the fifth seed. Everything was working out, but, but as soon as he went down and Gordon Hayward went down and LaMelo Ball came back, they were never able to recapture that magic, and then they fell down to the 10th seed, folks. They could not get it done. Whereas Anthony Edwards, he missed Carl Anthony Towns for like the first month of the season. And then when Carl Anthony Towns came back, Ricky, um, D'Angelo Russell wasn't there for the entire season. And then when finally everybody was healthy, Anthony Edwards played his best basketball these last two months. He was getting better. Now the, the, the Timberwolves don't have the wins this season, but because it was just Anthony Edwards out there by himself. LaMelo Ball had Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, those 
great streaky shooters. That's why they were winning some games because Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham were on those games that LaMelo Ball was playing and they had the kind of superstar in Gordon Hayward. Once Gordon Hayward got, you know, gone from that equation, LaMelo Ball was playing exactly like Anthony Edwards was without Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. So they were both having to rely on kind of better players, superstars, because we know rookies can't get it done themselves. We never kind of even put that on a rookie. But the fact that Anthony Edwards played his best basketball at the end of the season and LaMelo Ball was never quite right at the end of last season I don't see how you can give clear cut favorites like this to LaMelo Ball if you want to make the argument that's fine but LaMelo Ball has also missed 20 games and the fact that the spread is like this the odds are like this kind of guaranteeing LaMelo Ball the rookie of the year I'm really not buying it and we know Vegas does not lose money and now that the official regular season is over we know that there's player there's people that there's odds makers that has connections into the voters. We know you can you know who who's voting in the MVP and giving all the awards out. We know the people that get the votes. And Vegas knows them as well, folks. They know what they're getting. So we know LaMelo Ball is going to be rookie of the year and I truly just cannot get behind it still. So I'm a little upset about it. And let's talk about the six men of the year now because uh, we, we, we're having five candidates here. And um, we'll, we'll, let's just see what, um, well, let's first see what the DraftKings is giving the odds at. Jordan Clarkson, number one, at minus 200 odds. Then Joe Ingles at number two at plus 130. But how are you going to have a six man of the year when you've got two great bench players on the same team? Isn't that kind of the opposite of six man of the year? I mean, do you really need a six man if you've got a seventh man and an eighth man? I mean, six man of the year is really just kind of, oh my God, they're so much better than everybody else off the bench. And, you know, they're really kind of helping out the starters. They're a huge reason why that team is winning all those games. But if you have two six man of the years, doesn't that kind of water it down? No. So Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles being number one and two here for the Jazz, I'm not, I'm not really buying it just because they have the best record. Really? Mm, I'm not buying it. Uh, so that's how that is. And then we get Montrose Harold at number three plus 10,000. Derrick Rose at number four plus 10,000. And Jalen Brunson at plus 10,000. So those are the top five that they went with. We don't really agree. We think there's um, we, we think there's one person really left out of there. And then one person we're going to throw in there just because we talked about them at kind of that first break at the All-Star break when we were kind of giving our initial um, six man of the year um, nominees. So that's who uh, DraftKings chooses as the top five six men of the year, and we really don't agree. So the, the so the five that we're gonna look at is obviously Jordan Clarkson. Obviously, um, we are gonna look at Tim Hardaway Jr. and I really think that he is getting a little snubbed here. So we'll see if we can make the case. Uh, we got our kind of algorithm. We're gonna look at the stats, grade those one through five, and then if you're if you're the if we judge you the the best stats out of everybody, you get five points because there's five players. If you're the second best, you get four. Third best, you get three. Fourth best, you get uh, two, and then last, you get one point. So we're going to do that for stats, record, and then quality wins, where we count the wins of teams top six and above in the two divisions. And we'll kind of see who wins. And we'll also award maybe a bonus point here and there for different categories that we're talking about. Whoever's got like the best of one category that sleeps and bounds ahead, maybe we'll give them an extra point or two. Uh, so that's how we're going to kind of do our little algorithm here for the six men of the year. It worked out for the MVP. We got Jokic, hands down. Great, fantastic. So let's see what we get here. But uh, we got Jordan Clarkson. Tim Hardaway Jr. for this Mavericks team, he's just been absolutely great now. He has been starting a lot, so we'll have to kind of take that in consideration how many games he actually did start uh, compared to how many he came off the bench, but we'll get to that. 
Uh, so we got Jordan Clarkson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Montrez Harrell. I believe that he should definitely be in this discussion. Joe Ingles, I mean, if DraftKings is going to put him out there at plus 200 odds, I guess we'll have to look at him. Um, but I'm going to weigh it a little differently because they're both on the same team. I cannot get behind that. And then the last person that we're just going to throw in there, we're going to see is Thaddeus Young. Kind of went under the radar a little bit. The Bulls just did not do as well as we were hoping they were going to do this year. So, um can't really see Thaddeus Young as being the MV or the sixth man of the year, but we were kind of talking about him and tracking his progress. So I want to see how he kind of stacks up against everybody else uh, here and see if he has a shot, which I don't think he does, but we'll see. Alrighty, so the first kind of category to go over is the stats. What are they doing? What are their averages that everybody loves to talk about? So here we go. Jordan Clarkson, he played 68 games. Very, very good there. There's 72 games played this season, so he missed four games. Uh, but he put up 18 points, four rebounds, and two and a half assists. He shot 42% from the field, eh, 34% from the three. Once again, just a slightly above average, but in overall a good season, putting up 18 points. I'll take that. Uh, he was also only has 4.2 win shares, though, and win shares are an estimate of the number of wins contributed by a player. So you can kind of attribute Jordan Clarkson to 4.2 wins this season just on his performances and all the games being played that he really made a true impact and really only 4.2 of their wins. So not the greatest. All right. Then we get Tim Hardaway Jr., 16 points a game. He played 70 games, so better than Jordan Clarkson. 16 points a game, 3 rebounds, 1.8 assists. We'll round it up to 2. He shot 44% from the field and 39% from the three, throw, from the three though, getting it done there. And his win shares were 4.3, so just .1 better than Jordan Clarkson, pretty much the same. Now let's go to Montrezl Harrell, 13 points a game. He played 69 games, 13 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist. He shot 62% from the field, didn't even shoot the 3, 0% from the 3. Uh, but look at his win share, 7.3, getting it done, especially without LeBron James and Anthony Davis during that big stretch. Montrezl Harrell was a huge piece to this Lakers team. We've got to start respecting that a little bit more. All right, then we get Joe Ingles, 12 points a game, three rebounds, four assists, and his win shares were seven. Very well done. Uh, just a little under uh, Montrose Herald at 7.3. Uh, Joe Ingles shot 48% from the field and 45% from three. I'll give him that all day. Very well done from the three. Um, and then Thaddeus Young, 68 games played. Uh, also, Joe Ingles only uh, played 67 games. So the Lees out of everybody that we've seen so far, not the greatest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's all just kind of one or two games. Um, and then Thaddeus Young, 68 games played, 12 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. Shot 55% from the field, 26% from the three. We know that's definitely not his game. But his win shares were 5.1, pretty still solid, more than Jordan Clarkson, more than, um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. So, you know, still a little respect here for Thaddeus Young. Um, alrighty, now let's, um, look at, um, what they did in the starting lineup, if they ever got to the starting lineup, and what they did on the bench, if it, if they, you know, since they are six men of the year. Uh, so let's start with, um, Jordan Clarkson, and he only played one game as a starter, and, uh, he played 46 minutes that game, he was the main person, he took 27 shots, he put up 27 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists in that one game, and then, you know, just, uh, his reserve average playing 67 games off the bench, 26 minutes played, 18 minutes, 4 rebounds, and 2.4 assists, where we look at Tim Hardaway Jr., oh, we gotta go to the splits, um, <clears throat> he played... 
31 games in the starting lineup and 39 games off the bench, which I still think qualifies him in the discussion for six man of the year. I think you just need to play more games off the bench than in the starting lineup. But we can kind of say that this is good because six man of the year, if people go down or if you need to fill somebody in the starting lineup, if you're getting better in those kind of, if you're stepping up your kind of averages in the starting role while still getting it done off the bench for all those games I think that kind of speaks a little bit more to the sixth man of the year being able to reliable reliably step up into the starting roster when called upon if there's somebody out for a game somebody's injured we got to fill this role if you can step up to that starting lineup and elevate your play I think that kind of gives you a little bit more je ne sais quoi in the um in the six man of the year discussion and that's exactly what uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. did here at the 31 games that he started he put up 18 points a game, 3.4 rebounds, and 2 assists. So we see all the numbers going up, not too dramatically besides the points, only kind of uh, on the on coming off the bench. He put up 15 points, so 3 more points from the bench to the starting lineup. Uh, 3.2 assists, or 3.2 rebounds off the bench, only 2.2 difference uh, between the starting role and off the bench. And then for the assists, 1.6 off the bench, 2.0 in the starting lineup, but still elevating your play and getting it done, and we're definitely all about that. So... Solid there by Tim Hardaway Jr. Elevating his play in the starting lineup. Let's see what Montrose Harrell is doing from the bench to the starting lineup here. Uh, he only played one game as a starter, and it did not work out very well for this man. Uh, six points, two rebounds, and one assist in that lone start. Uh, he also only played 18 minutes, so he didn't play as many minutes as he is coming off the bench because we see he plays 23 minutes off the bench, 13 points, six rebounds, and one assist. Really solid there. Um, and definitely he's going to kind of uh, – we'll see how he's looking at the uh, at the record col uh, column because we know that no LeBron James and AD, and I, they were still winning games because of this man. So we'll see what it's like. When we get to that section, but we're still judging the stats just quickly. Let's go to Joe Ingles now. He played 30 games in the starting lineup. So, I mean, there's no reason why, you know, you can give Joe Ingles, you know, 30 games starting lineup and still six man of the year and not Tim Hardaway Jr. So we don't even have to worry about that. Tim Hardaway Jr. is truly a six man of the year candidate because Joe Ingles has started 30 games. And uh, Joe Ingles, he didn't really do that good off the bench. Now, he did step up the game in the starting lineup. Uh, 30 minutes played in the starting lineup, 14 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists. But then when he's off the bench, it's just 9 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. So, once again, Jordan Clarkson being on the bench, he's getting the more shots than Joe Ingles. That's why I don't really know if Joe Ingles can be 6th man of the year. Yes, he's stepping it up in the starting lineup, but when he was just on the bench himself, I mean, that's where his high averages came from, 12 points. If it was just him off the bench, he's only putting up 9 points because Jordan Clarkson is taking all those shots. So, I don't know about that. Um, and then the last guy, Thaddeus Young, let's see what he was doing here, 20 off the bench and in the starting role. As a starter, 23 games, starting lineup, 13 points a game, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. And then off the bench, 11 points a game, 5.9 rebounds, basically 6, and 4.4 assists. So really didn't elevate his game too much from the bench to the starting lineup either. Um, so let's grade the stats now. I would say the person, the player with the best overall stats here, I'm going to give it to those 7.3 win shares by Montrose Harrell. Really good. 13 points, 6 rebounds. That's real good. He, if he had a couple more points, I think I would have put Montrose Harrell number one. Um, but I'm going to give it to... Jordan Clarkson just takes so many shots, so I hate giving him the number one. 
Tim Hardaway Jr. shot 39% from the three, though. See, was, like what we said, Jordan Clarkson, 42% from the field, just kind of really meh. Jor um, Tim Hardaway Jr. shot better than him. Yes, he only put up like like two less points, but he played two more games. The rebounds were really right there. The assists were really right there. So I'm going to give it to Tim Hardaway Jr. as the best ads, folks. Overall, I'm going to give him number one for five points. Then we'll go Jordan Clarkson, number two, for four points. Uh, we're going to go Montrose Harrell, number three, for three points. Joe Ingles, number four, for two points. And then Thaddeus Young, last, for one point. Uh, we're also going to give Tim Hardaway Jr. one extra point here because he played the most games, so we're going to give him one bonus point. And we're going to give Montrose Harrell a bonus point for being the leader of win shares at 7.3. So we'll give Montrose Harrell one more point as well. One point bonus. Is that it? Um, should we give... Um, I'm going to give um, Joe Ingles one point as well. One point bonus for stepping it up in the starting role when called upon. I think that's really valuable here. It's not big. Um... But it is solid. It's definitely solid adjustment. It, it, we see the numbers across the board going up, so we, we can definitely give him that. So we're going to give Joe Ingles a point for that, and we're also going to give Tim Hardaway Jr. a point for that as well because, once again, he played 31 games, everything increasing uh, from the starting role to the bench. So we love that. So we'll give Tim Hardaway Jr. one more extra bonus point. All right, now let's go to the overall record here. Who's got the best record at the end of the day? We all know it's the Jazz. They finished number one in the um, in the in the league. So once again, you know, not you know, completely watering down everything that Jordan Clarkson did. But I mean, that team is locked. They had two six man of the year candidates, folks. That's a deep team. Uh, but we'll give Jordan Clarkson. Uh, he gets, uh, well, Joe Ingles and uh, Jordan Clarkson both have the same record since they're on the same team. So we'll give them, uh, we'll give Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles five points there for being number one. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. will be number, or no, we, I don't even know uh, who's number two here. Um, the Mavericks, 42, right there, yeah. All right, so Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be third, and he's going to have three points because, you know, Tim Hardaway or Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles are both uh, number one, tied for number one. So Tim Hardaway Jr. has to go to number three for three points. Then Montrez Harrell is going to be number four for two points. And Thaddeus Young is going to be at fifth with uh, one point uh, because they, how many games did they win? 31. Yikes. Yikes. Lakers won 42. Mavericks won 42. But they are higher in the standing, so we give them the tiebreaker. And then the Jazz at 52 wins. Alright, now let's talk about quality wins. Were you in when you beat quality teams? So let's go to that. That's a little bit of a mistake that we're kind of fixing when we looked at uh, MVP. We just kind of did what the team did. Not really looking. We know... Um, Jokic played all the games, so that's not going to affect the outcome, and he was still the winner. So not too much weight there, but we're gonna we do know that Jordan Clarkson missed four games, so we're not going to count those four games as you know him being in there. So let's go to quality wins now, and we count quality wins as top six here in the Eastern and Western Conference. So the Heat, Hawks, Knicks, Bucks, Nets, 76ers in the Eastern Conference, and the Blazers, Mavericks, Clippers, Nuggets, Suns, and the Jazz in the Western Conference. So let's start counting their quality wins now, and we'll start here with Jordan Clarkson up first. So. They beat Portland, bingo, bango. That's a win there, quality win. They beat the Clippers, quality win. They got the Bucks, a quality win. They got the Hawks, a quality win. They got the Nuggets, a quality win. They got the Knicks, a quality win. The Mavericks twice, those are quality wins. The Denver Nuggets they lost against. Uh, the Hawks, another win there, quality win. 
box a quality win. That's 10 right there. Now we're going to the Heat, another quality win. Philadelphia, another quality win. Clippers, another quality win. We're at 13 so far. More quality wins. Where art thou? Brooklyn Nets, quality win. Portland, back out of quality win. We're at 15. Still at 15. We're looking for the 16th. Where's the 16th quality win here? Denver Nuggets. There it is. Another one. 16. Um, we have to take one away because I counted this Portland one, and he was not playing that game. So we got to take one away. So he's at 15 quality wins here for this Jazz team. 15 wins. All righty. Let's go to Tim Hardaway Jr. now in the Mavericks. Let's count their quality wins. All righty. Here we go. Clippers. Damn, they beat the Clippers week three. Yes, sir. Or game three. Um, uh, so quality win there. They won by 51 points. Jeez Louise. Tim Hardaway Jr. is also a plus 27 on the floor in that game. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, that's one. Clippers. Uh, the Heat, another quality win. The Denver Nuggets, quality win. Atlanta Hawks, another one. We're at four. Hawks again. That's five. They love beating the Hawks. All right, Brooklyn Nets, quality win. We're at seven. Denver Nuggets, quality win. We're at eight. Clippers, quality win. We're at uh, eight. I think I miscounted. I think we're at eight right now. Eight. Um, all righty. Then we get uh, Portland, another quality win. The Knicks, a quality win. The Jazz, a quality win. The Bucks, a quality win. We're at 12. More quality wins. Here we go. The Heat, the quality win. The Nets, a quality win. We're at uh, 14. 14 quality wins, it looks like, for Tim Hardaway Jr. Are we right? Did I? I feel like I counted that wrong. Hmm. hmm, hmm. I got to go through this. I apologize. I got to go through this one more time. Here we go. We'll go through it quickly. Clippers, quality win. Heat. Denver Nuggets. Hawks. Hawks. That's five. Keep that in mind. That's five right there. Brooklyn Nets. That's six. Denver Nuggets again. That's seven. Clippers. That's eight. Portland again. That's nine. Boston. That's 10. Knicks. That's 11. Jazz. That's 12. Bucks. That's 13. Heat, that's 14. Nets, that's 15. And that is 15. 15 wins. Did we count Jordan Clarkson right? I'm bugging out here. Uh, let's go to Jordan Clarkson again. Was that 18 or 15? We got to count this again. I'm sorry, folks. I truly apologize. But let's see what we get here. Back to Jordan Clarkson. Here we go. Portland, that's a win. Milwaukee Bucks, that's two. Hawks, that's three. Nuggets, that's four. Knicks, that's five. Dallas at six. Dallas again, that's seven. Hawks, that's eight. Bucks, that's nine. Heat, that's ten. Philadelphia, that's eleven. Clippers, that's twelve. 
Brooklyn Nets, that's 13. Still at 13. Denver Nuggets, that's 14. And that's 14. <laughs> Is that 14? Jeez. Uh, so that's 14 wins for Jordan Clarkson and 15 for Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, so we got 14 and 15. I'm going to do this again. <laughs> I'm going to run through these numbers again after the show just to make sure I'm getting it all right. But I think we're I think we're right there at Jordan Clarkson, 14 wins, and Tim Hardaway Jr., 15 wins. Quality wins there. Let's go to Montrezl Harrell now. Hopefully we can do this on take one. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Montrezl Harrell, quality wins. The Mavericks, that's one. Bucks, that's two. Hawks, that's three. Nuggets, that's four. Blazers, that's five. Brooklyn Nets, that's six. Jazz, that's seven. Nuggets, that's eight. Knicks, that's 9. Suns, that's 10. And that is 10 for Montrezl Harrell. 10 wins. 10 quality wins. Joe Ingles also has 14. And Thaddeus Young, let's see what they've got. Well, Joe Ingles may have not have played one of those games. So let's go back to Joe Ingles. Which games did he miss? Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks win, which was a win. So he goes down to 13. Hawks win, he goes down to 12, and the Nuggets win, he goes down to 11. We actually have to count Joe Ingles because he missed some games that uh, 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 Jordan Clarkson win in. Bear with us, folks. Bear with us. We're almost done, <laughs> We're almost done here, and then we'll add up the points. Um, all right, here we go. Joe Ingles quality wins here. Uh, Blazers, that's one. Clippers, that's two. Bucks, he didn't play in, so he's still at two. Hawks, he didn't play in, so you're still at two. Nuggets, he didn't play in, so we're still at two. Knicks, that's three. Dallas, that's four. Dallas, again, that's five. Hawks, that's six. Bucks, that's seven. Heat, that's eight. 76ers, that's nine. Clippers, that's ten. Brooklyn again, that's 11. Blazers, that's 12. Nuggets, that's 13. And that is looking at 13. So 13 wins for Joe Ingles. And then for Thaddeus Young, and then we'll add up the points. Here we go. Thaddeus Young's quality wins. Here we go. One win there, Dallas. Another two for Blazers. Three for Dallas again. Four for the Knicks. Four quality wins. 
Still at four. Five for the Nets. Still at five. Here we go. Six for Miami again. And eight for the Bucks, the la or seven for the Bucks, the last game of the season. So he's only got seven, se 17. So Tim Hardaway Jr., 15 quality wins. He gets five points. Jordan Clarkson, 14 quality wins. He gets four points. Joe Ingles, 13 quality wins. He gets three points. Montrez Harrell, 10 wins. He gets two points. And Thaddeus Young, last for one point. Alrighty, so let's add up all the points for Jordan Clarkson. Four points for the stats. Five points for the record. That's nine. And then four points for the quality wins. Jordan Clarkson ends up with 13 quality points there. 13 points. Alrighty. Tim Hardaway Jr., five points for the stats. One extra point. Two extra points there for those stats as well. So he's at seven there. Then you get... Three points for the record and five points for the quality win. So he's at 15 points total. Montrez Harrell, three point or two points. Three points for stats. A bonus points that puts him at four. Record, he gets another two points. So he's at six. And then two points for quality wins. He's at eight points. Joe Ingles. Two points for the stats. One bonus point. He's at three. Five points for the record. He's at eight. And three points for quality wins. He's at 11. Thaddeus Young coming in dead last year. One point for the stats. One point for the record. One point for quality wins. So you get the lowest you can get is three points. So we've got Tim Hardaway Jr. as our sixth man of the year, folks. I truly think he slept on a little bit. Disrespectful that Vegas is not even allowing you to bet on him to be the sixth man. He got it done off the bench. Got it done in the starting lineup. Towards the end of the season, they were able to win those games and secure that fifth seed. So Jordan Clarkson on a stacked team. You can't have two players on the same team for sixth man of the year. I don't think that's allowed. I don't think that's right thinking, logically. So, I got Tim Hardaway Jr. as sixth man of the year, folks. I'm not sorry about it either. Um, all right. So, that's going to do it for us today. We're not going to be able to get to the NFL schedule today. We'll uh, continue that tomorrow. We still got time for that, so we're not pressed. Um, you know, we're in the NFL playoffs, or the NBA playoffs, folks. So, obviously, we're going to spend most of our time there. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. We're back tomorrow, folks, uh, doing it all again. So, tune in, and we'll be here. Noon Eastern. Alrighty, folks, we're out.